What's up, whole world? Welcome to Storytime with Cedric, episode number 72. This episode is a continuation from episode number 71. If you heard episode number 71, it was a collection of veteran stories. Stories from my time on active duty, stories from my time when I was in the military. And it was about three hours worth of material. I felt that was a little bit long, so I broke it in half. So episode 72 is a continuation. More stories you probably haven't heard, but I hope that you enjoy it. I was going to drop this about a week ago. I decided to wait because um, Memorial Day is tomorrow. And I figured what better way, what better time to drop this than on Memorial Day. So I hope that you are enjoying your Memorial Day. And remember, it's not just a day off from work, but it's a day of remembrance and a day of reflection. You know, we got to think about those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. So think about them when you enjoy your day off of work. That being said, let's move forward with these episodes. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you enjoy these episodes. All right, let's get to it. Let's go. What's up, whole world? Welcome to Storytime with Cedric. Episode number 65. I missed you guys. I've been gone for a couple of months and I wish I had this great, exquisite, beautiful answer, but I just, I don't have it. I just took a break for a couple of months, but it feels good to be back. I got some stories for you. Let's just get into it. But wait, wait, wait. Should I do a story first or should I get into my Flaviar? Because you know, I start getting into my Flaviar. Let's get into the Flaviar first. All right. So... This particular episode, um, the flavor that I have is called Klitschoman. It's like a flight. It's like a, uh, a scotch flight, I guess. So let's crack one of these bitches open and then um, see how it tastes. So right now, the one I got is called a, um, it's a Scottish scotch. Of course, it's the Scottish scotch. Uh, Kilchoman from Mature Bay, 46%. It's going to have uh, black pepper, white chocolate, smoky, lemon peel, butterscotch. These are the flavors that are in this scotch. So let's crack this shit open. Woo! Woo! This shit is serious right here. I smell it. It's serious. Pointed it to my little, my little, my little drink up cup right there. And let's see how this shit tastes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's see how it tastes. <clears throat> here we go. I'm spinning it around the cup. You know, the expert wine drinkers, they be like, oh, it has long legs. And it was made by a left-handed man from Brussels. He's ticklish. He was born near a waterfall. I'm one of them motherfuckers when it comes to my drinks. So let's taste it. Let's go. All right, here we go. We're going to taste it. Oh, ooh, shit. Mm. Yeah, definitely woodsy, smoky. It tastes like cologne. God damn. This is not my favorite drink in the whole world. It is not. I'm a scotch guy too. I fucks with scotch, but this is not my favorite shit. I'm a drinker because I pay for this shit. But um, that's the whole that's the whole point of these of these of these whiskey clubs, man. So you can get the little you know six seven ounce drink, and if you don't like it, it's cool. Versus buying a whole big ass a fifth and you don't like it. So shout out to Flaviar for hooking this up and um. This one, not my favorite. Oh, let me take one more sip off. Yeah, that shit tastes like uh, Dracar Noir. 
Oh, oh. it tastes like a, the bark from an oak tree or some shit. But anyway, I'm going to give it a C. C minus. That's not my favorite. Hopefully, the other two taste better. All right, let's get into my story. I got a lot of stories. I got some stories on deck. I was wondering if I should make this episode one super duper long ass episode or just break it up in a couple episodes. I think I'm going to break it up. But we're going to play this shit by ear. So the story that I have tonight takes place. Um, let's go back to like 2001, 2002 time frame. I'm a soldier in the United States Army. And um, they took some of us out of the unit because they were giving us combatives training. Combatives training is pretty much hand-to-hand combat without a weapon, for, for those that don't know. And you basically learn different ways to in- incapacitate your opponent via chokeholds, be it blood choke, air restriction, whatever it is. But you learn different chokes and different ways to choke motherfuckers out in these combatives class, basically trying to get your opponent to tap out via chokehold. And so it's like 10 of us in the room. I'm just happy to get out the office. Some of these motherfuckers are going full speed. They want to be goddamn Tito Ortiz. It's not that serious for me. I'm just trying to get in there and break a little sweat, get a little workout on. But I'm really just happy to be the fuck out of the office right now. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, we in there um, rolling around on the mats and shit. And the move that we're going over, we're going over the rear naked choke. Like the, the uh, it's, it's when you get behind somebody and it's better to show you than try to explain this shit. Basically, it's a blood choke. And for those that don't know, the difference between a blood choke and an air choke, like, if I just choke you where you can't breathe, if you can hold your breath for a minute, you're not going to sleep uh, for at least a minute. But a blood choke is different. I wouldn't give a damn if you can hold your breath for two minutes. A blood choke, you're going to sleep in six seconds, period. Because a blood choke, it stops um, it stops the blood from circulating to your brain. I get my arm up under your chin and I squeeze your motherfucking windpipe and your juggler veins and all this shit and your ass is going to sleep. So we're in there working on this move and um, we're like at the, the, the gym, like on, on the base. So it's not just people from our unit that's in there, it's different people that signed up for this class. And all of a sudden, this Sergeant Major walks in. She was a female Sergeant Major. She walks in. And of course, when the Sergeant Major comes in, everybody try to look like they know what the fuck they doing and get tight. You know what I'm saying? Look like they, they doing this shit right. And I remember she walked in and she's kind of just standing in the, in the cut with her arms folded across her chest, kind of watching shit. And then she starts to get closer as people are rolling on these mats, right? Now, um, hold on, let me take a sip of this. This, uh... Tree bark, right Oh shit! Oh. oh god, please help me. Um, so she's in there and shit, and we're going over this this rear naked chokehold, and she says, "Um, I want somebody to show me how to do this rear naked choke because I just I don't believe it. It looks like some shit from WWF. I don't believe it. Can somebody show me?" So like the E6 that's running the class is like, "All right, sorry, major, come here. I'll show you how to do it." And he has her sit, you know, sit down on the mat. And he, he comes up behind her. And he puts this rear naked choke on her. But he goes about 30%. Part of it is because I'm pretty sure he's pretty nervous. It's the goddamn Sergeant Major. She wasn't like the Sergeant Major from our unit. Just, you know, just another unit that was there. She just showed up. 
So he goes about 30% and he lets her go. And she's like, see, I don't, I don't feel that. I don't feel that. I need somebody to show me how to do it. Another guy raises his hand, the, e, the E3, PFC. I'll show you how to do it, Sergeant Major. Come here, I'll show you. And I think we all at the same time went, oh, shit. This shit's about to go bad. And um, she's like, all right. So she goes over to this E3. And she's like, she's on her knees on the mat. And he gets behind her. He's like, you ready? And I'm like, oh, God, this shit's about to go bad. And he gets behind her. And he chokes the shit out of this. He, he chokes the shit out of the Sergeant Major. And she's trying to fight it at first. But like I said before, air choke, blood choke, way different. And I thought she could just, you know, maybe she thought she could just hold her breath. But um, he's fucking he tightening the screws on her ass. And I saw her eyeballs roll up. And I was like, oh, shit, it's over. And she blacked out, man. Like, he choked her out. She blacked out. And he let her go. <laughs> and she woke up. Like, she was asleep for about, about five seconds. And then she woke up. And her eyes was watery. And her hair was all fucked up. And she's like, yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. I said, oh, shit. Sergeant Major got a fetish. This... <laughs> This chick liked to be choked. What the fuck? Who knew? But um, that was a that was a crazy story. Cause you always try to like you know be professional and all this shit when the sergeant major shows up. But the PFC, uh, no fucks given. He he, he gave uh, no fucks and choked her ass out, and uh, she loved it. So kudos to that PFC who's probably a sergeant major by now. Who knows? Anyway, that's my first story of the night. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, let's take a break, do a commercial, and come back with a, a a second a second episode or a second story in this episode what's up whole world this is uh, Cedric Spiegel welcome to another episode of story time with Cedric welcome to episode 4 I hope you liked episode 2 and 3 as we move along with episode four, I like to call this story Drill Sergeant Crush. Uh, this story takes place in 1996. I was in basic training at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. This is when I first joined the military. Um, I was 19 years old, man. 19 years old. And uh, you ever seen that movie, Full Metal Jacket? There's a scene in that movie where Pyle leaves his wall locker open and the drill sergeant goes in and dumps all this crap out. That's very true. You cannot leave your wall locker open. It's a very big no-no. Um, one night, I was in the barracks. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I went to the bathroom. Drill Sergeant Emmett uh, was this drill sergeant. I was in love with Drill Sergeant Emmett. She was half Jamaican, half Cuban. Very, very beautiful lady. And um, she was on CQ that night. And so I get up, I go to the bathroom, I come back, my wall locker was unlocked, and everything on my wall locker was on the floor. She went in and took all my crap and just threw it everywhere. And I'm looking at my bunkmates like, yo, what happened? It was like, Drill Sergeant came up here. She said, put this stuff back in the wall locker, and then meet her downstairs at the CQ desk as soon as you get finished. I was like, cool, that'll work. 2 a.m., Drill Sergeant it's a wrap. So... That's my 19-year-old brain thinking. So I put all my stuff back in the wall locker. I go into the bathroom. I do about 25 push-ups. I, I cover myself with a Dracar Noir. You remember that cologne? So I get a couple of... And I head downstairs. 
and I'm ready. And uh, <laughs> I go to the CQ desk. Now, when you walk into the CQ office, there's like a little room up front, and then there's another little room in the back. And I walk in, and um, the front part was empty, so it was pretty evident she was in the back. And I'm like, drill sergeant, they told me uh, you wanted to see me. She said, Private Reed, is that you? I said, yeah, it's me, drill sergeant. She said, you wait right there. I got something for you. And I just knew. I just knew she's about to come around this corner with some camouflage, garter belt or some shit, some camouflage, lingerie. I just knew it was about to go down. And uh, she came around the corner, all right, and she had a push broom and a dustpan. And she looked right at me. She said, you see that parking lot over there? I said, yes, Joe Sergeant. She said, uh, yeah, why don't you go over there and sweep that parking lot? I said, the whole parking lot? She said, go sweep the whole parking lot. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Go sweep. Bye. And I'm in the I'm in the parking lot. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. It's cold. I'm sweeping this parking lot. And I knew at this moment that our relationship would never work. It was over between us. It was that moment. I knew that we just couldn't couldn't move forward uh so i swept the parking lot and i went back upstairs and went to sleep and i was done with her it was over so that's my story that's my drill sergeant crush story hope you enjoyed it and i enjoyed sharing it with you and um thanks for listening more stories to come have a good night oh happy thanksgiving this is like the first one i did after thanksgiving so happy thanksgiving everybody hope you had a good time didn't eat too much pumpkin pie like i did all right Until next time, take care. Bye. What's up, whole world? Welcome back to Storytime with Cedric. And um, usually when I start a second like episode, I finished my first Flaviar and I moved on to my second one. This motherfucker is so gross. I'm still working on it. So maybe by the next story, uh, but we're gonna get all we're gonna get all three of these motherfuckers down before the end of this podcast. But let's get into my second story. I was feeling like telling some military stories. My first one was military related, and my second one is too. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into this. So this story takes place. Uh, I want to say it was like 2003. No, it was like 2000. 6, 2006-2007 time from I'm stationed K-Town, Germany. Shout out to Kajeslot and my, my K-Town folk. So, um, I had gotten in trouble. I got an Oracle 15. I don't remember what this one was for. I've had several <laughs> Oracle 15s during my, during my time in the military. This one was a company grade. 15 days. And they put you on what's called the three C's. When you get an Oracle 15, Three C's, church, child, and company. These are the only places you are allowed to go while you are on, uh, be it 15, 30, or 45 days. So, um, I basically can't leave the barracks unless I'm going to get something to eat or I'm going to work. That's it. And I remember, um, first sergeant comes over. It's a Friday. He comes over and I remember there was a, a, a PLDC, um, for those that don't know, PLDCs is where the E4s go to school to get promoted to E5. This is where they go to school to get promoted to the rank of sergeant. 
Okay, so it was a class. It was some guys from the unit that was in the class. They was graduating. The first sergeant was going um, to the graduation to see, you know, the soldiers graduate. But Friday before he left, you know, I'm in trouble. I'm, you know, he giving me this block of instructions and some shit he wanted me to do. When he left, he said, Reed, come here. And I go out to the front of the barracks. He said, you see all these, all, like in front of the barracks, there was a sidewalk in front of the barracks. And in between the cracks of the sidewalk, it was just weeds growing out of these cracks in the sidewalk. He says, Reed, I want you to get rid of all of these weeds from right here all the way down to the back of the building. I want all these weeds gone when I come back. I'm like, all right, Roger, sorry, Major. You know, I'm pissed at him, but, you know, what else can you say, right? So that's his block of instruction. Take care of the weeds. All right, I got it. No problem. This motherfucker leaves. I'm like, cool. So I have no equipment, none. No weed whackers, no nothing to take these motherfucking weeds out. I'm in the front of the barracks, laying on my on my side with a spoon, digging the dirt and the weeds out of the crack in the goddamn sidewalk. I shit you not, a, a spoon. One of my partners that lived in the barracks came outside. He saw me. He said, Reed, what the fuck are you doing? I said, I got to pick these weeds up, man. He's like, with a spoon? I'm like, this is all I got, man. He was like, look, come over to the motor pool. I got something that'll help you out, bro. So I'm like, all right, cool. So... I go over to the motor pool with him, and he has this concoction. Um, I don't know what this shit was. He said, man, just spray this shit on the weeds. It'll kill all that shit, man. It'll, it'll kill it down to the root. I said, what is it? Man, man, fuck all that. Just here, take it. And it was like a mixture of gasoline with some other shit. I mean, you smell it. It smelled pretty serious. It smelled like that Flavia I was drinking a minute ago. But um, I'm like, cool, this will work. So I take this big ass jug, this five gallon jug of this concoction that the motor pool created for me and I go over to the barracks and I spray all the sidewalk down, all in front of the barracks, all on the side of the barracks. I spray everything down and um, I'm out there for like an hour, maybe an hour, 15 minutes. I spray everything down, <clears throat> excuse me, and then I, I take the, the five gallon jug back to the motor pool. Hey, man, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I appreciate that shit so much. Thank you. I go back to my room. I'm on restriction. I can't go nowhere. So Friday night, I just go to sleep. Saturday, I don't do shit. I don't even leave the room. I'm in the room. I'm playing Xbox, watching TV. I'm on restriction. I can't do shit. Sunday morning at about 7 a.m., somebody's knocking on my door like the goddamn police. Boom, 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 boom. I'm like, man, who the fuck is knocking on my door? I had a hangover because I was drinking night before and I remember answering the door and it was the first sergeant god damn it Reed I thought I told you to pick these goddamn weeds up I said first sergeant I, I did pick the weeds up come here Reed I said hold on I gotta put some clothes on so I put on some sweatpants and my little PT shirt and I go outside man and the weeds these motherfuckers was three feet now like I don't know <laughs> I don't know what the motor pool gave me, but it did not kill these motherfuckers. It gave them strength. It gave them strength from Jesus. When I got started, the weeds was just kind of peeking their heads out of the sidewalk. When first I saw these motherfuckers, they was three feet tall. I didn't even have an excuse. I was like, all right, I fucked up. Like, usually I can kind of tap dance, bullshit my way out of something. 
But I have no, I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. And I can't blame it on the motor pool because I wasn't supposed to fuck with them anyway. I can't, you know, hey, the motor pool gave me this shit. I can't incriminate them. So I just had to swallow that shit, man. But yeah, man, um, the motherfucking weeds was three feet tall. I got cussed out again by the first sergeant. And long story short, I had to pick, instead of picking out like half an inch weeds from the sidewalk with a spoon, I had to pick out three feet weeds from the sidewalk with a spoon. It was a shitty Sunday. Remember that song about you two? Sunday, bloody Sunday? Well, I got a song called Sunday, Shitty Sunday. Sunday, shitty Sunday. It goes like that. But yeah, that's my um, <laughs> that's my story. That's my, uh, my weed picking story. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's do one more. Let's take a break. Come back and I got one more story. What's up, whole world? Welcome to Storytime. Well, welcome back to Storytime with Cedric, episode number 57. I'm pretty fucked up right now. I've been drinking vodka and orange juice for like an hour and a half. So forgive me if I start slurring and shit. I'm sorry. I'm a little fucked up right now. But I'm going to move forward with this second story. I think it's a wonderful story. I think it's funny. I think you're going to enjoy it. So let's do it. Um, This story takes place... Uh, Right around 2002, 2003, I was in the military. U.S. Army stationed in Baumholder, Germany. Shout out to Baumholder. Shout out to The Rock, right? Now, if you were ever stationed in Baumholder, right off post, you can go downtown. And they had different spots, different restaurants, bars that you can go to. You can go down there and, you know, the Visa V was like a restaurant. And then, like, there was... A spot you could do karaoke. The Asia Grill, you could go in there and play pool or whatever. So the Asia Grill was my spot. It was these two girls used to run it. They was Turkish, very pretty. And I remember, dude, like the girl, I think her name was Cecilia. And people went bonkers over Cecilia. I thought she was pretty. I didn't think she was all that. But anyway, I met the um, Asia Grill. It was a pool table in there. And I remember going in there one night. And there was a dude in there, and he was mopping the floor with motherfuckers on the pool table. He was serious, though. This motherfucker had a suit on with a tie. He had a briefcase for his pool stick. Remember that episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when Will Smith was getting fucked over by the dude that was hustling him? And then Uncle Phil showed up. He like, break out Lucille. And he had the briefcase with the pool stick in it and shit. He was like that. And what he would do was he would look at you and he would say, four. And that meant he was going to beat you in four shots, right? So he's mopping the floor with motherfuckers. I play better when I'm a little tipsy. So I go to the bar first, have a couple of drinks. I go to the pool table, throw my money on the pool table, right? So um, I'm next. You know, it's my turn to shoot. This motherfucker looks at me and he goes... Five. I'm like, all right, whatever, motherfucker. So I set the balls up. You know, whoever's new sets the balls up, and then he breaks, right? So he breaks, but he had a bad break. Like, he didn't he didn't sink any balls, but he set up a lot of balls where they're, like, right next to the pockets. So I basically just walked in and played cleanup, right? So I ended up beating this dude in, like, four shots myself. And, um... Get this motherfucker off the table, right? So, 
the way that this pool table, it was in like this little bitty room. So part of it, like some parts of the table, you could shoot how you wanted to shoot. But other parts, because the wall was so close to the table, you had to hold the stick at a certain angle and shit. But it was this girl that was in there. And I remember she was like talking to one of her friends. But when the motherfucker couldn't shoot, they were like, yo, bitch, get the fuck out the way. Move, bitch. I can't shoot. They was talking to her real crazy. I ain't never really talked to females like that. So when it was my turn to shoot, she was in the way. And I said, hey, um, excuse me, could you move over to the left just a little bit so I can shoot this motherfucking ball? Thank you. And she moved over, and I shot. And I beat the guy in the suit, and I beat, like, the next two guys. And then I ended up getting beat by, like, another guy. So I got a couple of wins in. It was all good. I go to the bar, and the Turkish chick, her name was Cecilia, brings me a drink. And I'm like, Cecilia, I didn't order this drink. She's like, I know you didn't, but this this girl right here wants you to have it. She ordered it for you. And it was a chick that was in the way at the pool table. She comes over and she's like, you know, everybody else is like, move, bitch, get out the way. You were the only one who were polite to me, who was polite to me. And I thought it was really nice. I wanted to just buy you a, a drink and say thank you. And I said, oh, I appreciate it. I, you know, no problem. I'm just, you know. I'm just polite. I don't talk to women like that. It's all good. So, she looked like... Have you ever seen Rocky Four when he fights the big Russian dude? She looked like the wife of the Russian. She was, like, real tall. Had, the, like, the short blonde hair and shit. And, um, but she ended up being, like, real cool, man. We sitting at the bar and shit and having a drink and we was talking. I'm like, damn, she's kind of cool. So, we exchanged um, phone numbers, right? And um, the next, and I called her a couple times during the week. And then um, she invites me to her house. She wants to cook dinner for me. I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm not going to turn out a free meal. Shit. So I go to her house and she made like pasta. And I think it had like some beef in it. Or I don't know what that shit was. But um, everything is cool. And we start talking, and she said, listen, I need to tell you something. Um, I want you to hear it from me before you hear it from anybody else. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And she says, I used to be a whore. And I'm like, well, you know, I ain't worried about who you dated, you know what I'm saying, before I came over here. I'm, I'm secure with my shit. I'm cool. It's all good. I ain't worried about that shit. She said, no, you're not listening. You're not listening to me. I used to be, I used to be a whore. And I said, why, why do you keep saying it like that? What does that mean? Why, why do you keep telling me you used to be a whore? She said, I used to work at the red light district. I said, are you serious? She said, yeah, I used to work at the red light. I said, okay, I need to ask you a question. It's very important. Um, how long did you work at the red light district? Now I'm thinking maybe the rent was due couple of bills had to get paid maybe a month you know no big deal it's all good that shit's legal over there i said how long did you work at the red light district she says nine years (laughs) i said are you serious you worked at the red light district for nine fucking years she's like yeah i worked there for nine years dude i couldn't pull my fucking pants up any faster. It scared the shit of me. I ain't never fuck with no prostitute, man. So when she told me that, 
it fucked it fucked me up. I wasn't ready for that. Maybe if I was more mature, I could have dealt with it. But I wasn't ready for that. Pull my clothes up. Yo, I gotta go. You gonna leave just like that? You gonna judge me? Hey, I'm not judging you. It's all good. I just remember I got some shit I gotta take care of. I'll be in touch. I gotta go. And I left, man. And um, I seen her like at the Asian Grill in different places. I would say, what's up? But it never went down. It scared the fuck out of me. But that's a true story. That shit really happened. So, um, God bless. Thank you guys for listening to my story. This is, um, these are crazy times we're living in, man. But thank you for listening. God bless. I think I'm going to wrap it up right. I'm going to wrap it up right there. Thank you all for listening, man. And I'm going to be back next month with another one. Keep listening. I'm going to keep putting them out. And I'll talk to you guys later on. God bless. Good night. What's up, whole world? Welcome back to the final segment of Storytime with Cedric, episode number 62, I think. I'm a little tipsy right now. I think it's 62. So, I finished up my Flaviar samples, Alpha and Bravo. And now we've moved on to Charlie. And so, Charlie, let's see what this is. This is going to be called Bar Hill Tomcat Gin, 43%. And it includes raw honey, caramel, pepper, juniper, sweet oak, fruit, woody, and pine. So I'm really interested into um, seeing what this tastes like. So uh, the second one I drank, I want to give it a, a grade. I give it a 9.4. It was really good. That's something you can drink on the chill or you can mix it with cranberry juice or pineapple juice or orange juice or whatever you want to drink your gin with. All right, so this one um, is different because this one is a gold color. It almost looks like a bourbon almost. The other ones were clear, and this one is darker. So let's taste it. Let's crack it open and let's pour it in here. Yeah. Oh shit! Oh, I smelled it. I could definitely smell the honey, but goddamn, that motherfucker got some kick to it. All right, so that should be something I do, man. I should like whenever I do a podcast, have a new drink and then try my new drinks live on air and then give a, a review. Maybe podcast will. Sponsor me on this motherfucker. Flavor will sponsor my podcast. What do you think about that? Alright, we're gonna drink the, we're gonna try it. Alright, I smelled it. The smell is very intense. Let's see what it tastes like. Here we go. Bottoms up, motherfuckers. Oh, that's good. I like that. The smell kind of threw me. You can definitely taste the honey. I feel like an expert. You know the motherfuckers would be. Those, those drink experts, they can drink and they be like, oh, this motherfucker was made from grapes that were planted by a left-handed Italian who was born next to a waterfall. I feel like one of them motherfuckers because I got the little ingredients on the back, but I could definitely taste the caramel. I could definitely taste the honey in it. And I think the honey is what gives it its flavor. But this, mm. oh, that's really good. I like that. So... When you get flavor, you try the samplers, right? And if you get a sampler that you like, that's when you can order the big ones. And then if you're part of the membership, you got a membership to the program, you get the shit at a discounted price. Bam, there you go. I saw some Louis the 13th. That motherfucker was $2,800. But one of these days, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get that goddamn... I had the Ace of Spades. 
I bought Ace of Spades for my 40th birthday. I didn't know if I was gonna get Frank the, the, the Jack Daniels Frank Sinatra edition or Ace of Spades. The the Jack Daniels Ace uh the Jack Daniels uh Frank Sinatra edition was like 150 bucks. The Ace of Spades was like 500 but I wanted some Ace of Spades so fucking bad, but I couldn't decide which one I wanted to get. I was like, fuck it, you only turned 41 time. Get both of these motherfuckers. So um, when I had my party, I cracked open the Jack Daniels and I shared it with the people that was at the party. You know, my wife's brother came over, Eddie came over. Shout out to all my friends from the VA back in El Paso. But the Ace of Spades, like the big, the expensive shit, um, I only drunk that with my wife. We waited till uh, a few days later, then we cracked that one open, and it was really good. Was it worth five hundred dollars? I don't think so. Like it was good. But I, I wouldn't. I'm not in a hurry to buy that shit again, cause we only got like two cups a piece. Like it was like enough for me and my wife both to get two drinks a piece, and then split the last one. And that's not enough when you talk about five hundred dollars. So um, the Louis the Thirteenth, that shit is like twenty five hundred, three grand depending on where you buy it. But I'm definitely gonna get one of those. All right. I was thinking to myself, um, it's been a while since I told a good army story. Let's tell a good army story. Hmm. That's pretty good. So, this is an army story that took place um, back in Bombholder. We're talking about 2001, 2002 time frame. Since we were talking about Bombholder earlier. So, um, there's a girl I used to date that lived, that lived right outside of base. And her house was over there. And I basically just moved in. Like, well, let me back up a little bit. So, I lived in the barracks in Bombholder. And then they had built these brand new barracks and they were beautiful. And everybody in the old barracks was trying to politic to talk their way into getting into these new barracks. But you could only go over there if you were E4 or E4 promotable, getting ready to make your E5. So they only wanted E4 promotables and E5s in these barracks over here, right? So I'm politicking, trying to you know talk my way into these motherfucking barracks. And I got me a room, brand new fucking room, right? So this shit is beautiful. I got the little cart, like a hotel room and shit. And everything is brand new and beautiful. And um, I was very fortunate and people were pissed because they only had a handful of people from the unit that was able to get to these barracks. So anyway, there was a chick that I was dating who lived right outside the, uh, the, the post. And I basically kind of moved into her shit. Like I took clothes over there. I took dishes over there. And um, basically moved in. And even though um, I was in these new barracks and staying with this girl I was dating, I was still responsible for being in formation at 6.30 in the morning. PT formation is at 6.30. And it's right outside of the old barracks. So even the, the new barracks was a little bit farther down the street, so you got to leave a little bit earlier to get to formation. But I was staying at this chick's house that was off base. So I had to get up just a little bit earlier so I could make it to formation on time. And I remember this one night, um, I'm in there drinking, we in there hanging out, and I go to sleep. Now this chick lived in an apartment on the third, was it the fourth floor? I think it was the third floor, and she didn't have any curtains or any blinds in any of her windows. And I used to ask her, like, how come you don't have no blinds in your windows? And she's like, I live on the third floor, can't nobody see up here? And I said, that's an interesting point, that makes a lot of sense, this is a lot of money saved, right? So, um, I remember I spent the night over there one night 
and I fell asleep and I slept beautifully. I slept so good. And the sun, like I felt I felt the sun's rays on my face. Remember like in, in, in the movie Coming to America where you know you hear the the violin and the harp and the music and the music playing and wake you up with that shit. Like the, the warmth of the sun on my face is what woke me up that morning, right? It's beautiful. And I'm laying in the bed and I look out the window and I see the sun coming up. I'm like, wow, it's really beautiful outside. It's really nice outside. But then I realized, oh shit, I'm late to goddamn formation. Formation was at 6.30. Uh, some of us, because uh, it depends on the you know the platoon you're in. I had to be there at six for the meeting with the first sergeant because I was a supply sergeant. I had to be there at six o'clock for the meeting and then the formation at six thirty. I had missed all of that. I ain't wake up to like eight goddamn thirty. It's eight thirty, and that's when I woke up like, oh shit, I'm late as fuck. I ain't, I wasn't late to PT. I missed PT all the way together. It's, you can be late to work. And it's okay, but you can't just not go to work. It's fucked up. And so I remember like waking up and the sun is like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so fucking late. And so I barely get to the nine o'clock formation. I woke up at 8.30. I didn't take no shower, nothing. I just put my clothes on and just hauled ass to base. And I barely made nine, the nine o'clock formation in time. And I remember Sergeant Link, shout out to Sergeant Link, bomb holder. And that motherfucker told me, all right, Reed, um, if you're late again, I'm moving your ass back to the old barracks. Got it? Roger, Sergeant. And I was never late to any formations ever again. But uh, yeah, that really happened, man. The sun woke me up. It was beautiful for a hot minute. But then it got ugly. It got tragically ugly. So that being said, I'm going to wrap this podcast up today. I want to thank you guys for listening to my podcast. Um, a buddy of mine is telling me I need to put my shit on YouTube and I'm looking to doing that. He's like, I said, I don't have any live video. I, I just record my shit. And he's like, no, no, you can get like footage of like playing video games and just other shit with your podcast playing in the background and motherfuckers love that shit. So, uh, respond to me, man. Tell me if you think that's a good idea. Should I stay doing it the way I'm doing it now? Or would you prefer me to move my shit over to YouTube and kind of change shit up a little bit? Um, tell me what you think. Anyway, I hope that you are enjoying your Mother's Day. I hope that you called your mom, your grandma, your Aunt Stacy, your Aunt Nancy. And um, I hope that you're enjoying your Mother's Day. I hope that your kids bought you flowers and candy and took you out to eat. And your husband bought you steak dinner. I bought my wife a, um, a, a weighted blanket. That's what she wanted. And so this motherfucker is weighted. And I didn't get the cheap one either. It's some cheap ones. If you buy these weighted blankets, man, do your homework. Because some of the cheap ones, it's like 40, 50 bucks, they start leaking. And um, they got these little crystal balls in them where they got sand in them. And once the motherfuckers start leaking, it's a problem. But the one I got was a little bit more pricey. The reviews was better. And um, my wife, like, she was on the couch. And I said, close your eyes. And I took it out the package and I put it on her on the couch. And she just like, oh, baby, this is the one. Thank you so much. So she really enjoyed it. And I hope that um, you all enjoy your Mother's Day. I hope that you spend time with your moms and your grandmoms and your aunts and your uncles. And if your sister got babies, call your sister. Tell your sister Happy Mother's Day, too. That being said, I'm going to wrap this shit up. I'm going to finish up uh, Flaviar number C. And, um, yeah, man, thanks for listening. God bless and good night.
What's up, whole world? Uh, welcome to Storytime with Cedric, episode number two. Hope you enjoyed episode number one. If you haven't heard it, go back and check out the donut story. Uh, I figured since we just celebrated uh, Veterans Day, I should tell at least one story for now about my time in the military. For those who don't know, I was uh, in the military for 10 years. I spent a lot of time in Germany. And anybody that's ever been overseas, there's always something going on. There's always some great stories, and I want to share one with you. Uh, this happened, this is like 97, 98. And um, like the clubs over in Germany, man, it's like in the States, everything closes around 2, unless you go to a bootleg. But in Germany, man, they don't close at like 7 in the morning. It's very, it's very normal to leave a club and the sun's up. So it was one night, it was me and my partners, man, we was all supposed to go out to this club called the Eagle's Nest. Now, I was stationed in Hanau, Germany. The Eagle's Nest um, was in Wiesbaden. It was about a 45-minute drive from Hanau. So the plan was, it was me, my roommate Williams, and my man Salter, uh, and my my Salter had a homeboy named Antoine. Now me and Antoine really wasn't that close, but me and Salter was cool, and Salter and Antoine was real cool. So on the strength of that, you know, me and Antoine, you know, we was cool. But that was really, you know, Salt's boy back in the day. Anyway, so the plan is everybody's gonna meet me in my barracks. We're gonna pregame over there, and then I was gonna designate, be the designated driver. Because I had this Mercedes, I had a Mercedes 230 back in the day. You could put about 15 people in that big ass car. So um, the plan is come to the room, pregame, and then head out to this club at like 2 in the morning, right? So everybody meets me about 11 o'clock, about midnight. Um, and I noticed Antoine was already like, we supposed to get started. He got started already. He was already about 80% drunk when he got to my room. He was drinking this apple, some kind of apple vodka type shit he was drinking. So, um, you know, we, we get ready, we jump in the car, and we head out. So we on the Autobahn, I'm probably, you know, doing about, you know, 120 miles an hour. We getting up there, and uh, Antoine says, yo, pull the car over, I got a pee. And I'm like, well, man, we like 15 minutes out, man, can't you hold it till we get there? He was like, no, nah, no, nah, I've been holding it. Pull the car over, I can't hold it no more, man, pull the car over. And since he was already drunk, I didn't want pissing in the car. So I got off the Autobahn. We pulled up like it was an elementary school, I think. And everybody jumped out of the car to take a piss. Now, uh, it was January or February time frame. It was really, really cold outside. And I think because it was so cold, it led to what happened next. Now, inside the car, the heat was on. And I think everybody got out the car to this cold weather, and then they got back in the car to this warm weather. And I think it threw Antoine for a loop because we get back in the car, we get back on the Autobahn, and uh, I start smelling apples, <laughs> but in a bad way, right? So I look in the rear view. You ever see somebody's face when they're about to throw up? Like their jaws, be, they be doing that thing with their jaws, like they be trying to suck air in with their jaws. And I'm like, yo, 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 roll the window down. Antoine about to puke, man. Roll the window down. I'm on the Autobahn doing about, eh, about 120, 130, easy. And all of a sudden, the back door opens. Like, instead of rolling the window down, somebody opened the back door. Antoine's sitting right behind me. I'm driving. And he's hanging out the damn, he's hanging out the side of the car 
I want to step, I want to like step on the brakes, but I don't want to make the car stop too fast because he's hanging out the damn car door. And so um, I'm like, yo, close the door, close the door, close the door. I'm trying to like ease on the brake to slow the car down without braking too fast. And um, somebody grabbed him, they pulled him up, they pulled him back in the car and they closed the door. And as soon as they closed the damn door, this boy puked every, like everywhere that you can puke in the back seat of a car, he did it. Like he hit the back seat, he hit the window. My car was an old Mercedes. I had the, you had the roll window up that little roller, puked all over that. The little rubber piece where the window go up and down, he puked all in that. Puked in the back window, puked on the headrest, puked on the floor. Uh, they in the back trying to like jump to the other side because they didn't want to get puked on. It was, it was, it was mayhem in the car. And so now we're like five minutes from the club. So we get to the club and we park and it's like, well, damn, what are we, what are we gonna do? Fuck it, let's go in. So at this point, <laughs> Todd, Antoine is, is he's blacked out right now. He's fucking asleep. And uh, we decided to leave his ass in the back seat, crack the window, and go on in the club. And um, we go in. You know, we send somebody out there. You know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, check on him, make sure he was still good. And then we ended up getting there at about 3 in the morning. About 7.30, we rolling out the club. We get out the club. Antoine is standing there. like He's, he's leaning up against the trunk of the car with his arms folded. He's pissed off. And we're like, what's up? He's like, so you're just going to just leave me in the car? Just Y'all going to have a good time and then just leave me in the goddamn car? I'm like, dude, you puked all over yourself. Look at you. You got puke stains and shit all over your shirt. Can't go to the club like that fucking pissed off so we all get back in the car the car smells like ass like just it's just it's just rancid in the car we got all the windows down we fucking freezing but it's cold but the car stink and we get back i drop everybody off at the barracks and i go to sleep so i get up about one o'clock and i go to check out you know look at the car check out the damages on the car and it's just puke everywhere and i see a cell phone antoine left a cell phone in the car so I call Salter, and I say, Salt, tell your boy that he left his phone in my car. If he wants his phone back, uh, he has to come over and clean out my, my, my car right now. He has to come clean this shit. And uh, he never came. I kept his phone. He, he never came. I had to clean this shit myself. And um, I think that was the last time I seen Antoine. We never really talked after that. Once you puke gallons of vomit to a motherfucker's car is really not much to talk about after that I would I would imagine so but yeah man that was it was it was a fun story it sucked when we was going through it but I'll remember I'll always remember that story man I laugh about that shit now um hope you enjoyed the story uh this story episode 2 called The Eagle's Nest and uh thanks for listening Welcome back to Storytime with Cedric, episode number 64. Um, this next story I'm going to tell you takes place, this was many, many years ago. This was like 2000, the year 2000. I was getting my first apartment. Now, mind you, I went straight to the military. Outside, you know, When I finished high school, I went straight to the military. And I was in the military for about three years. And then I got out and I came back home. So I was a little bit older, but it was the first time I was getting my first, like, 
apartment on my own outside of being in the barracks in the military. But I ain't had no furniture. Like my grandmother gave me some shit. Like I had a let out couch and I had a stereo. I had a milk crate with a TV on that motherfucker. That was it. That's all I had when I first moved in. And I was at work and um, I was, you know, telling some people at work, you know, I had just moved in. I was looking for furniture. If they knew any, you know, places of business where I can get furniture cheap, you know, for my apartment. And there was a woman I used to work with. I don't remember her name right now, but she told me that she had a bed. I have a bed if you want it. You just, I won't sell it to you. You just have to come pick the shit up. It's just, you know, I don't use it no more. It's an old water bed. And I was like, I can have it. And she was like, you can have it. Just, you have to come get it. I can't deliver it to you. You got to come get it. I'm like, hell yeah. Shit. Thank you very, very much. So we set it up, man. After work, I went to her house and it was basically like the bladder. It was a water bed. It was like the, the bladder and then the frame and then the headboard and the footboard, right? So one of my homeboys had a truck, uh, loaded the truck up, took all the pieces to my apartment. So my dumbass, <laughs> I put the frame together first, headboard, footboard, the sides and everything. And then I put the bladder in the middle and then like it's right, it's in the middle of the room, like cricket, like linked to the left a little bit, right in the middle of the fucking room. My smart ass, I'm like, you know, once we fill it up with water, then we'll position it where we want to position it. I wasn't thinking about how heavy this motherfucker was getting ready to be. So, you know, I get the bladder hooked up to the water hose and I start putting water in it. And now the bladder's full and um, now I'm ready to move it. And I didn't think, like, you can't move, you can't move a water bed, like, on carpet. You just can't do it. So, it was a very stupid thing. I've always had bad luck with beds and bed spreads and bed sheets and shit but that was that was a real stupid thing i did trying to put the water bed together and then try to move the motherfucker where i want to put it very stupid i remember one time um when i was in the when i was in the military um young private i was in the barracks for the first time first time i had my room my own room my own sink my own kitchenette all this shit but they gave me them government sheets and them government blankets like um the itchy, the thick, itchy green comforter and like the little cheap ass sheets. And this shit, I couldn't sleep like this. I needed some, it wasn't baller enough for me. I needed some baller shit. I wanted satin sheets. That's what I wanted on my bed. I wanted satin sheets. It's my first bed. I want my shit to be fly, right? So I met some chick at the club. I got this little situation coming over. I want my shit to look right. So I go to the PX to get some satin sheets. And they had them, but the only problem was my my bed in my room was a twin size bed. The only sizes that they had was they had queen size and they had king size satin sheets. I was like, damn. So this is what I did. I buy the queen size sheets and I cut them motherfuckers in half. I take a pair of scissors and I cut them in half. And I throw one, you know, one half on the bed and I put the other half right on top of the other one and I tuck it up under the mattress. I got the pillowcase to go with it, the little comforter. My shit look good. My shit look good. So later on that night, the little situation I hooked up with came over. And I'm trying to show her, like, you know, my room is the shit. I used to live in, um, my room number was room 112 back in the day. That don't mean shit now. 
But back in like the late 90s when the R&B group 112 was out, oh, I tell a girl, hey, you know, girl, I'm in the room 112. That was the shit. That was some player shit right there. I was in room 112. It don't get no more player than that, right? So she, <laughs> she comes in the room and she sits on the edge of the bed. I'm so excited. I take my shoes off and I run and I jump on the bed and I want to like, like have my feet kind of spread, like boom, like I'm right here on the bed. But them motherfucking sheets was so goddamn slippery. I, I ran and I jumped on the bed and I just slipped right off the side. I just kept sliding right off the side of the motherfucker. Almost broke my neck, man. Almost died in that motherfucker off some satin sheets. So that night, I took them motherfuckers off my bed. I bought them up and I put them in the wall closet. I just left them up there. I never used them bitches again after that. But, um, that really happened. That was a crazy ass, stupid, stupid private story. And uh, I hope you liked it. Let me come back with another one right after these messages. What's up, whole world? Welcome to Storytime with Cedric, episode number 62. It's been a month, man. I've been busy. And I'm sorry about the long break, but I'm back to deliver some more stories. I hope that you enjoy. Before I get started, let me uh, say Happy Mother's Day to all the mommies and the mamas out there. Uh, if you haven't called your mom or your grandma, you know, give them a call, man. Let them know you uh, appreciate everything that they've done for you. So once again, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I saw a Facebook meme, and the motherfucker said, If the state has taken your kids, you should not be celebrating Mother's Day. I think that's fucked up. It's kind of funny, but it's fucked up. But yeah, even if the state took your kid, celebrate Mother's Day any goddamn way. Get you some flowers. Get you some candy. Get you some steak. So, um, my wife is not here. You can tell. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but the acoustics are a little bit different because I usually do my podcast in the garage. And I wait till my wife goes to sleep and I wait till the kids are asleep because I can talk shit and cuss and talk loud in the garage and nobody hears it. But my wife went to go see her mom and her grandma and took the kids with her. So I'm, I'm kind of at the house. And I got the house to myself, man. So I changed locations. I'm in the dining room right now. So the acoustics sound beautiful. And I hope that you enjoy them. Um, one more thing. I'm actually sipping whiskey right now. I'm in a whiskey club. You ever heard of that Flaviar? Am I saying it right? Flaviar Whiskey Club. So I'm going to be making my way down a gin path tonight. I'm sipping on three different types of gin. I got the package called the Je Ne Sais Quoi package. And so um, we're going to be doing our podcast and also drinking each. It's like a little sampler. So each little tube is about it's about three shots worth. So it's a pretty good size. It's just me here drinking it. So if I get too buzzed or too fucked up during this podcast, it's not me. It's the gin. And uh, yeah, if you've never done Flaviar, it's a little whiskey club. And uh, somebody talked me into doing it. I thought it was some bullshit at first because I'm trying to watch my, my Facebook videos and the advertisements kept, like, jumping in. And usually, if I'm watching a video and a commercial start, I just scroll to the next video. I don't even finish the video I was looking at. But I've seen Flaviar a bunch of times. And then um, this lady at my job was like, you need to try it. My husband has it. He loves it. Maybe you should try it. And so I decided to try it. And I liked it. And so I did it for a year. It was $300 for a year, but you get four shipments. And each shipment contains uh, one like large bottle 
and then three um, like tasters. And so with the three tasters, it's a whole list of shit that you can try. And then um, the big bottles, it's about 10 different bottles. You get to pick one for free and then the tasters come for free. And then, you know, it's just, you, you might want to taste some shit without buying the whole bottle, right? So today I'm sipping on gin and I got some mezcal in the back. Next time I'll do some mezcal. But um, I fucked around. I got a big bottle. It's called Yayo. It's this um, silver premium tequila. I don't even really fuck with tequila like that. But the shit is delicious. I recommend it. So get the Yayo tequila. And we'll get to these motherfucking Genesee Quas in just a minute. And I'll let you know how they taste as I drink them. All right. So let's get to it, man. Let's get to these stories, man. First, let's see. Where are we going to start at today? Oh, I went to Tucson. <laughs> I went to Tucson uh, about three weeks ago to um, visit an old army buddy. Shout out to Garcia, man. We was going to do a podcast. It just never happened. It just, we just, you know, we were doing other shit. We just couldn't, you know, hook the mic up and, and, and do it. Maybe next time I got more time, we'll set it up. Because I got this crazy ass story about this big ass army fight that took place at a club that we went to. And he was there. So I wanted I wanted him to tell the story from his perspective. So maybe next time I go up there, we'll be able to set that up. But um, it was cool, man. Garcia, for those that don't know, this motherfucker's a gun nut now. He is. This motherfucker has so many guns in his house. It's ridiculous. You ever see those movies where they, like, they go into a uh, room and they open up the closet and they push a button and the wall turns around and there's a bunch of guns on the wall? That's Garcia's house right now. This motherfucker has... He took me to his room. And he's like, do you see anything? And I was like, no. And then he hit this button and the light came on. And it was like... It was at least four AR-15s on on the wall. It was other shit on the floor and other shit over here. And I, I don't know how many thousands of rounds of ammunition that this motherfucker got. He had a gun in the bathroom next to the shower. Like, you want to see my, my shower gun? I was like, I don't know. Do I need to see a shower gun? So we go in the bathroom, and there's like the toilet, and then there's a shower next to the toilet, and there's a gun on the side of the like the toilet. Is a pistol, a case, and everything. And I said, Why do you have a gun in your bathroom? When a case of motherfucker come up in here, I'm like, What type of neighborhood do you live in? Where you got to worry about that type of shit? I'm just saying. I just told this motherfucker that when it goes down, when the zombies come. Or Trump goes back to the White House or whatever. We're going to goddamn Tucson. We're going to Garcia's house. So, but yeah, it's always fun to catch up with Garcia, man. We go back a long time. We uh, go back over 20 years, actually. You know, when I got the bomb holder in 2001, we got there on the same day. We got there on the same day, and we got to our unit, and it was this fucker named Sergeant Laser. He was an E-7. He was ex-Marine. And then he went army, and this motherfucker was like a little off, little little extra with it. And so, like the first day of formation, Garcia's late to formation, and formation was on this hill right in front of Bravo Company Two Six Infantry Bomb Holder. Shout out to the Rock. But um, Garcia's late, and he just started smoking him on this hill, and he smoked me too. He's like, "Which one of you motherfuckers is prior service?" I was like, "Me, prior service. Me, you was in the army before. I was in the army." And then I got out, and when I went back in, I went to bomb holder. He's like, which one of you motherfuckers is prior service? I was like, me. He's like, why the fuck you ain't standing at parade rest while you talking to me? I was like, ain't this a bitch? So me and Garcia, our first day in bomb holder, we got smoked together. And I don't know, it just kind of bonded us, I guess. I don't know. 
But we got real cool, man. Went around, you know, I had a, um, I still had my usury driver's license from the first time I was there. So the first thing we did was fucking got a, a rental car and just got on the Autobahn and just made it happen. And so we got some crazy, crazy stories. Next time I get to Tucson, uh, Tucson, we'll be sure to get on this motherfucker and tell some stories. One thing that happened, we went to a party when I was up there, man. He's, um, he was talking to some chick. And they had already, you know, they was already in motion, in motion to go to this party. But when I came into town, they just, you know, they invited me too. I was like, cool. It was somebody's birthday. I don't know who this motherfucker was. But um, we sit in the car at the stoplight. And I look over to the right. And it's this girl, like, in this little truck. And I look at her face. And she probably was about 20, 22, 23 years old. Young girl. Little bitty frame, probably about 110. I looked at her face, and her lips were big as fuck. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with her lips? I said, Garcia, look, look over here, man. What the fuck is wrong with her face? And Garcia looks over and says, oh, they do that down here. That's the, that's the shit. That's what all the girls do down here. I was like, what do they do? They do lip injections, lip fillers. And when he said it, I had never seen it in person up close before. You see that shit on TV. All these fucking celebrities do all that stupid shit. But I've never seen it up close. And when he when he told me, it opened up my eyes. Now I'm looking for the shit. And it's true, man. All over Tucson, these motherfuckers walking around looking like they're having fucking reactions. They look, it's too fucking big. Like, it's out of control. They look like they got a bee sting on their mouth. And their lips are swollen up. This shit is not sexy. It's not sexy. It's not sexy. I don't even know what else to say about that shit. But yeah, I hope that shit don't come to El Paso, man, because I can't deal with all these big-ass fake lips and fake booties and fake eyelashes and fake fingernails and fake eyes. and uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But anyway, man, it was it was always um, fun to catch up with Garcia. It's always cool to catch up with an old Army buddy. I got a handful of buddies um, that I catch up with from time to time. But yeah, Garcia, Epps, all those guys, those are my favorite guys to catch up with. So um, let's take a quick break. And then let's crack open one of these motherfucking gins and then see how this shit tastes. Let's uh do a little message, uh, you know, pay a little advertisement type shit, and I'll be right back. What's up, whole world? Welcome back to Storytime with Cedric, episode number 61. And I got another fight story. This one's really good, okay? We're going to fast forward to some good old-fashioned army brawls that we uh, got down with. Shout out to Bomb Holder. Uh, all my partners from Bomb Holder, y'all might, uh, y'all, <laughs> y'all might remember this story. I didn't want to tell this story at first because this shit goes hard. But um, it's been long enough. Statute limitations and all that shit should, uh, should protect me with this shit. I'm not going to court for none of you motherfuckers. I ain't signing no statements. I ain't writing no letters. And if anybody asks me about this fight, I'm deleting this whole fucking podcast. That being said, let's get to it. So let's fast forward. I'm in the military station in Baumholder, Germany. And um, what year was it? It was probably like 2001, two, three, something like that. And when we used to go to the club, man, my unit used to roll deep to the club. I mean, at least 20 deep. And I was in the infantry. I'm with a bunch of motherfucking... Um, you know, gung-ho, type A, aggressive, you know, just infantry mentality, you know, personnel that I used to roll with. And I always had this saying when I went out to the club, man, if I'm with somebody, 
whatever we can do to prevent a, a fight from jumping off, we'll do it. But if the shit jumps off, we going all in. You know what I'm saying? And if I, if if it's me and you, we go to a club. If you fighting, you know I'm fighting. Either we whooping somebody ass, or we all getting our ass whooped. Because I'm not gonna let you fight by yourself. And I'm not going to let you get beat up by yourself. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to try everything I can to prevent you from taking it there. But if shit goes down, shit, it's all good, right? So, let's get to the story. We at a club. I don't remember the name of the club. I don't remember the name of it. It was this big-ass club we went to. We in that motherfucker deep, deep, deep. And um, there was a guy that rolled with us. His name was Correa. Correa, if you listen to one of my prior stories, was the same guy they wore the sweatpants to the club and they didn't let him in because you couldn't wear sweatpants to the club but we told the motherfucker before we left the barracks you can't wear sweatpants and he wore them anyway and they wouldn't let him in but that's another story same dude same guy so we go to the club and we in that bitch and Correa was from LA and uh, you couldn't tell him he wasn't you know pretty you know Nico that was his name Nico Correa and so Nico is talking to this girl. She's Turkish. Now, back, you know, I don't want this shit to come across as racist, but when I was in the military, uh, a lot of the Turkish men did not like American soldiers. Like, when I was in, it was like that. I don't know what it is now. But my through my experience of my time in the military, the Turkish guys did not fuck with us. The women, on the other hand, they loved us. They couldn't get enough of us, but the men hated our fucking guts. So we in this club. Correa's talking to um this Turkish chick. She has a boyfriend though. And so I don't know where he was, but like he comes back and he sees Correa talking to his girl. And then it, it gets a little staticky. They start going back and forth. His boys step up. You know, we step up. And then like the bouncers came over and they squashed everything. He's like, my bad. I didn't know. She didn't say nothing. You know what I'm saying? My bad. And then that should have been it, right? You talking to her, her boyfriend show up. That should be it. That should be the end of this goddamn story. But guess what? This is Correa we talk about. This is not the end of the story. So fast forward about 30 minutes. The guy steps off again. Correa steps back to this girl. And he's trying to talk to her. This time the guy comes back. He's ready to fight. This motherfucker's ready to throw some hands. So motherfuckers is holding him back. The bouncers come over again. They're like, fuck it. Everybody get the fuck out. So they kick all of us out and all the Turkish dudes that's involved. They kick us all out. And now we're standing in the parking lot, right? So we're standing in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, I don't know where all these Turkish motherfuckers came from. It was like 10 of them in the club. But when we got outside, it was like 30 of these motherfuckers. I don't know where the hell they came from. They just showed up. The motherfuckers just appeared out of nowhere. And I look around, and I'm like, where the fuck is Correa? Somehow, through all the movement and shit, Correa managed to not get kicked out the club. He's still in the club, but everybody else is in the parking lot. And this is about to be a fight on Correa's behalf, and he ain't even out there to fight with us, right? So I, this was one of the last times Correa, you know, rolled with us after this shit right here. So let's get to the fight, right? The fight jumps off. Motherfuckers is brawling, getting it in. Motherfuckers getting their teeth knocked out. The crazy shit was, um, I shouldn't say names. So, <laughs> my partner is up there with his wife. And his wife is about 103 pounds with a rucksack on. And, uh, 
she out there, you know, getting it in, cracking motherfuckers too. Somebody caught her. Somebody caught her though. Bam, and they dropped her. And when she hit the ground, somebody came over and started stepping on her stomach. They was kicking her in the ribs. Her husband pulls out the pokey and just start poking motherfuckers. Shoot, 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 shoot. And now it's, it's real crazy because now motherfuckers is screaming. There's blood everywhere. And so, um, of course, you know, the Polizai show up and the SP show up and the MP show up and all these motherfuckers, security forces show up. This guy grabs his wife, throws her in the truck. They roll out and uh, they take off. And so um, they come over there and they, they, they separate everybody and they break up the fight. And then that's what happened, man. And uh, they was trying to find out who this guy was and... I wasn't going to say shit, and I still ain't going to say shit. And if anybody asks me 20 years later, I still ain't going to say who it was. But I bet he's listening to this right now, and I bet he know who he is. And I bet some of the motherfuckers listening to this story know who he is, too. But those were the good old days, man. Those were the good old days. Nothing nothing wrong with a nice little skin-on, skin-on, knuckle-to-knuckle, you know, fight outside the parking lot every now and then to keep the blood juices, keep you young and healthy. So, um... That was a true story. That really happened. And uh, that didn't happen too often. I got a couple of fights like that. I got a fight with a dude one time. Um, I punched that motherfucker hard as I could. And he dipped his head down. And I punched him in his forehead and sprained my wrist. That shit hurt. But I didn't know it. Like, I didn't know it when, when I was fighting him. Yeah, adrenaline and everything. But the next morning, like, when I woke up, my shit was all swollen up. It was fucked up. Hanging with them inflatable casts and everything. But, um... Yeah, man, I hope you enjoyed my fight stories tonight. I got a whole bunch of fight stories. Um, I'll start putting them. If you like my fight stories, let me know. And I'll put more fight stories up here so you can listen to them. Hopefully nobody gets arrested. None of my shit is used in a court of law against me. So um, anyway, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. God bless. And I'll see you guys on the next podcast. Keep listening. I'll keep putting them out. Adios. Have a good night. What's up, whole world? Welcome to Storytime with Cedric, episode number 27. Um, so before I get started, I want to take a little time to thank everyone who's listened to the podcast up to this point. It's greatly appreciated. We're about to hit a thousand listens, and I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening, taking the time, giving me 5, 10, 15 minutes of your day. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope that my stories make you have a better day. And when you listen to my stories, I definitely have a better day. So, thank you once again for listening. Um, as you, If you keep listening to my stories, I'll keep putting them out there for you to listen to. So, thank you very much. That being said, let's get into this story. So, um, this story takes place circa 2003, I believe. And I was in Barcelona, Spain. And one of the benefits of being stationed overseas, I was in the military, I was stationed in Europe. One of the benefits is the travel. You know, once you get over there, you can hit, you know, France and Spain and Austria and all these different places. They had a program that was called uh, BOSS, Better Opportunities for Single Soldiers. And the purpose of this program was to get the, the, the soldiers that were in the barracks that were single they wanted to get them out to enjoy the country, to see different parts of the country, not just, you know, hit the PX and hit the club every weekend. Like, get a, you know, get a glimpse of what's really going on over here. 
and it was really cheap. It was like a hundred bucks got me to Barcelona for a four day weekend that paid for the, the room, the board and the travel down and you take money to go shopping to go clubbing or whatever you want to do. So it's really hard, you know, not to say, yeah, let's do it. So we get down there and I remember, um, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Loray Del Mar. It was a little spot called Loray Del Mar and we're on the bus, right? We hit down there and they're like, yeah, there's going to be new beaches when we get down there. And we're like, hell yeah, new beaches. But it wasn't what you thought. Like when I thought new beach, I'm thinking Baywatch type shit. That was not the case. I don't think anybody on this beach was under the age of 50 and they didn't give a shit. But that's just how it was. You know, it was just different cultures. It was all good. But the one thing that I remember the most is there was a sergeant I knew named Sergeant Swain. And she was really, um, she's this really awesome lady. She was really religious, though. She was really religious and kind of um, like she didn't go to the club, didn't listen to the radio, really didn't do a lot of stuff. She kind of was, you know, kind of kept herself kind of to a certain level and we get down to this beach and I remember there was these guys that were sitting next to us and they were drinking this giant it was a giant purple drink and I said where did you get that from and like you know they pointed to the, like this little stand of this guy that was making drinks and I said okay I need to go in there and get me one and the drink was called a Don Juan it was purple it had fruit in it and an umbrella and all this shit and so I go over there and I buy me one and it was delicious it was so good so I come back over to where Sergeant Swain is at. I'm like, Sergeant Swain, try this. She's like, what is that? I'm like, it's a Don Juan. And she's like, nah, nah, I'm good. No, thank you. I don't drink alcohol. I'm like, Sergeant Swain, look, we are in Spain. We're on the beach. Look at this water. When's the next time you're going to be here? Just have a little sip. Enjoy yourself. And she's like, okay, I guess I have a little sip. So I gave her a sip on my Don Juan. And it was so good. She's like, oh, my God. That is good. Where'd you get this from? I said, I got it right over there. And she got up and went over and she bought two. And I thought that was awesome because Sarah Swain was coming out of her shell a little bit. And it was awesome. It was a good time. Had a good time in Spain. It was a good time. Moved to Barcelona. It was a beautiful time. Um, One thing that I do remember is um, I went to Paris. And like I was telling you before, man, one of the benefits of being in Europe is to travel. But Paris... Don't be fooled by what you see on TV, how it's the romantic capital of the world and all that shit. I went to Paris twice, and uh, it looked like Chicago to me. To be honest, it did. I got to Paris, looked like goddamn Chicago. And not only did it look like Chicago, I was assaulted in Paris. I was. I was assaulted in Paris. And this is what happened. Um, okay. Anybody that goes to Paris, France, wants to see the Eiffel Tower. Right? And I think the people in Paris know that because that's where all the people set their shit up. You know, all the people that know the tours are coming, there's people painting and people doing, you know, all kind of hustle is going on right at the um, Eiffel Tower. And people begging for change and people doing this, people selling that and whatever. That's just the nature of it. So I'm standing in line. They had these hot dogs. And the hot dogs, um, Instead of a bun opening up and you put the hot dog inside and closing the bun, the buns, you actually took a circle out of the top and you pulled the circle out and then you put the hot dog into the bun, you ate it like that. 
I thought that was the coolest shit I had ever seen. So I decided I'm going to stand in line and I'm going to get me two of these hot dogs. So while I'm standing in line, this little like 12-year-old girl walks over to me and she has a cup and she's shaking the cup and she's asking for change. And she's like, hey, um, well, she didn't say shit because she spoke French, but she was shaking the cup and she basically was asking me for change. I'm like, I'm sorry, um, I don't have any change. And she's shaking the cup harder. And I said, really, look, I'm sorry, I don't have any change. I can't help you, sorry. And then she walked away. And I went to buy my food and they gave me some change back. And I think she was looking because when they gave me the change back and I went to go sit down and eat my food, she came back over there. And she's like, I'm shaking the cup again. And I'm like, hey, I told you before, I don't have any change. I'm sorry, I can't help you. And this little girl hauled off and punched me in the arm, man. I swear to God, punched and shot me too. And I can't do shit. I'm a United States Army soldier. I can't punch 12-year-old little girls in a foreign country. That could become an international incident. So I had to just like eat that and, and just be done with it and chalk it up as a loss. But um, yeah, the hot dog was awesome. It sucked getting punched by a little girl. One thing I do remember was a girl that was sitting on the bridge and there was a guy who was an artist and he would paint your face. Like he was sitting in his chair and he would paint you and he would sell the painting. Now the girl was cross-eyed. I, I, I saw she was cross-eyed and apparently the artist saw she was cross-eyed too. And when he drew the picture, he drew her cross-eyed in the picture. And then he went to show her the picture and she was pissed like, I don't look like that. This is bullshit. And she was very upset. I thought the guy did an amazing job. He even got the specifics of her cross-eyedness. But um, she was pissed. She didn't like it. She was not happy. But um, that being said, thank you for listening to my, my latest story. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to it. I hope you enjoyed it. Adios. See you guys next time. What's up, whole world? Welcome to Storytime with Cedric, episode number 63. So this story takes place, we're going back with this one. This one takes place at like 1997, 98, something like that. I was a young PFC in the United States Army stationed in Hanau, Germany. So shout out to all my family and friends back in Hanau, Germany. Um, when I was in my 20s, I was out and about a lot, hitting the clubs and shit. But that's what you do at that age. You hit the clubs a lot. I was in the clubs like five days a week. Tuesday through Saturday night, I was in some my club. Many, you know, you ever like <laughs> came from the club and was changing your, like into your PTs. So you pull up to the barracks and just hop out of your car and go straight to formation. Like I've done that many, many, many times. But when you're young like that, you got energy, energy to do that type of shit. So um, Sunday was my only night I didn't really fuck around. That was my recovery day. All the bullshit that I had been dealing with, driving two hours to go to clubs and all this bullshit. Sunday was my day to relax and just chill, get my uniforms ready for work the following week and all of that shit. So that was me. You know, me and my partner, Williams, we was roommates. And if he was out, I was with him and vice versa. You know, we um, <laughs> we wasn't no joke in them strasses back in the day. 
So um, this particular weekend, man, we go to the flood zone. Now, the, when I was in Hanau, the, the two clubs that was the shit was the flood zone was the shit and the Black Sounds Club was the shit. Those were the two clubs we went to. The flood zone was that club where people be like, man, I ain't fucking with the flood zone. I ain't fucking with the flood zone. But then when all the other bars and all the other clubs were closed, everybody would head to the flood zone. So let's say you struck out, you ain't get no phone numbers, you ain't come up in no other clubs. You go to the flood zone, try to catch up with something, try to get your phone number before the sun come up. You know what I'm saying? But the flood zone was the same. Everybody, man, I ain't fucking with the flood zone. And then you go to the flood zone and everybody's at the flood zone. It was just that, that was the type of club it was. So one night, you know, me and Williams go up in the club and I caught up with this chick. Uh, she was Romanian. Beautiful, beautiful chick. And uh, she came back to the barracks, man, hung out, spent the night at the barracks. And, um, you know, we had a great night, had a good time and everything. The next morning, um, I'm about to take her home and um, I'm, I'm walking her down stairs and we go into the parking lot and Sergeant McKenzie pulls up. Now, Sergeant McKenzie was my NCO. Sergeant McKenzie was an E7. He was probably about, you know, in his early 40s and he was country as hell. He was like from Mississippi or Alabama or Louisiana, one of them down south, real country, country ass states. And um, he like he was he I'm 43 now and I don't feel like an old man. But when I was 20, Sergeant McKenzie was an old man to me. Okay, he was in his early 40s. And he just was in a, on a different page when I was in my 20s. So Sarah McKenzie pulls up, man. He sees this girl. And he's like, yo, who, who girlfriend is that? And I'm like, that ain't my girlfriend. That's just somebody I met. You know, she came over, hung out last night. He's like, uh, where you meet her at? And I said, I met her at the flood zone. Why? You met her at the flood zone? I was like, yeah. He's like, when the next time you going to the flood zone? Because shit, I want to go. And I'm like, sorry, Mac, you bullshit. And he's like, no, I'm serious. Next time you go to the flood zone, if they look like that, shit, I need to be up in there with y'all. And I thought it was a bad idea from the gate just simply because of the age, the age difference. Not to mention this shit is illegal because he's an E7 and I'm an E3. And this is fraternization. We ain't supposed to be hanging out at the clubs and shit, drinking together. You ain't supposed to do that shit. It's illegal in the military, right? You can get in trouble for that shit. But... I'm not in the army no more, and I'm pretty sure Sergeant Mac is not in the army anymore either. So fuck it, I'm gonna tell this story. So we set it up, man. All right, Sergeant Mac, you wanna roll? I'm gonna come scoop you, man. So one of the big differences between clubs in the states and clubs in Europe, most clubs that are stateside, they close at like two o'clock in the morning. Last call for alcohol is like 1:30, 1:45, and then they start shutting shit down at like two. They send everybody home. In Europe. The clubs don't close at like 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning, depending on what club you at. Many times I've left a club and the sun was coming up. You know what I'm saying? So we used to pregame hard. We started drinking like 10, 11, 12, and then we head to the club. We already drunk by the time we get there, so you ain't got to spend all your money at the bar. You already fucked up when you walk in the, in the, in the club already. So we set it up with Sergeant Mac. All right, Sergeant Mac, this is what we're going to do, man. I'm going to come scoop you up at like 1 o'clock, and then we'll head over to the flood zone. He like, cool. So me and Will, you know, Saturday roll around. And all week at work, you know, Sarmac is talking shit. He's talking all this shit. Yeah, let me tell y'all something. I'm going to show you how I used to do it back in the day. Giving us all this pimp talk about how slick he was with the females back in the day. And he used to run it like this. He used to run it like that. He going to show us how to run that shit. And he talking all this bullshit. 
I'm like, all right, sorry, Max. So now I'm interested. I want to see how this shit unfolds. I want to see how this shit goes when we get his ass to the flood zone and unleash him <laughs> and unleash Sarmac on these unsuspecting motherfuckers in the club. So um, Saturday comes, the date comes, and um, I hit him up. Hey, Sarmac, I'm on the way. So it's like 12, 31 o'clock. We've, we've been pre-gaming since like 9 o'clock, 9.30. I'm fucked up. I drive over to Sarmac's house. I'm not advocating drinking and driving. I'm just telling you the story how I went down. And um, I get to Sarmac's house. Me and Will pull up. And I blow the horn. Sarmac comes outside. Now, I told y'all this motherfucker was like, he was older than us and he was country as fuck, right? This motherfucker comes outside. Cowboy boots. Tight, tight, tight black faded jeans. And a motherfucker cardigan sweater. Tucked in the jeans. With a belt on, with a big ass belt buckle on the belt, like on his on his pants. And I'm looking at this motherfucker walking towards the car. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this motherfucker wearing? I said, sorry, Mac, you can't wear that shit. You can't you can't go to the club with a goddamn sweater on, man. What the fuck? But it's gonna be too hot in there. Yeah, it's gonna be too hot. Go in there and change your outfit, man. When I said go change your outfit, I meant go change your whole outfit. This motherfucker took the sweater off and just changed his top. So he goes in the house, he, ch- he changes his sweater, he comes back outside. Now he's wearing cowboy boots, tight, 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 tight black faded jeans, Dallas cowboy jersey, tucked in the jeans with the big ass belt buckle. I'm like, fuck, we can't take this motherfucker. You know what, fuck it. He's an old school player, that's how he wants to run his shit. We gonna let him run his shit. So we throw him in the back seat. It's like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning before we get on the road and shit. From Sarmac's house to the flood zone, it's probably about a 20, 25-minute drive. We throw Sarmac in the back seat. We drive over to the club, man. We get to the club. This motherfucker done went to sleep. <laughs> he in the back, knocked the fuck out. So we pull up. I'm like, Sarmac, come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah, I'll be over there in a minute. Just let me just, you know. Sorry, Mac, we here, man. Let's go. He talking that give me five minutes bullshit. Just give me five minutes. I'll be ready to go in just a minute. All right, fuck it, man. We going in. I'll catch up with you later on. So, long story short, man, he never got out the car. You know, he fell asleep in the backseat, talked all that shit, and ain't even, couldn't even stay awake long enough to go to the club. So, um, but best believe we gave him a lot of shit. A lot of shit for that shit. But that was a true story, man. That, um... Sarmac was an awesome NCO. I got nothing but love for Sarmac. And I was thinking about him uh, a few days ago and wanted to share that story. So I hope that you enjoyed it. And let's come back with another story. If you listened to my podcast last week, I was sipping on Flaviar. And I was sipping on the Gin Qua package. It was it was three um, you know, different types of gin. Well, tonight I'm doing that shit again, but I'm fucking with Mezcal tonight. Tequila Mezcal. So... Let's take a break. We're going to come back and start another segment, tell another story. But first, we're going to crack open one of these motherfucking mezcals. All right, uh, let's take a break, and I'll see you guys in just a minute.